Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and nerds all at once. When the mask's not adding up, you better check it out. I'm working to the But here we are. I just, it's a crossroads vibe this week. For me, at least, um, and so yeah, we just we're going to try and put out uh, an early episode of the Crossroads, maybe a second episode of the Crossroads this week. And no, uh, a lot's changed. I was typing in the information to start this uh, episode, and for one, that's changed. Like I have to do a setup before I start. Uh, I have to make sure I'm wearing, you know, not something too raggedy, and my hair doesn't look too wild. Um, I had three different things going up, and I know I don't look like I'm on the secret bridge of a futuristic starship like most streamers. Um, and I don't have accent lights, and I don't uh, like I'm not pretending I live in a mansion or something. But I think we've come a long way. My camera's better. My setup's a little better. Hopefully, my audio's a little better. Um, after a record, there's definitely post show work that has to be done i i do a lot more prep work in that i spend a lot more time talking about the flow of the show and what's going to be on it not necessarily this episode it's kind of spare in the moment but um a lot's changed i still however 176 why i still look up and wonder where jake is sometimes like uh he left and uh i just kind of kept my nose down um, my head to the grindstone. I know it works some sort of way. One one of those things works. Um, and uh, yeah, this this many episodes later, it's got to be like a hundred episodes later, and uh, it still feels like he just left. Like the crossroads, like I said, it's, it's meant to be more of a conversational, just having fun talking about football from different perspectives. And I've been doing a lot of both sides of the conversation by myself for a while, which fits. My nature, I like to disagree with myself to test my own hypothesis or ideas, but I mean, it can get self-defeating at a certain point. When you're the one objecting to what you're thinking, you can then just end up in sort of a spiral. And um, so I've tried to invite guests on pretty often. We've been having fun, um, kind of a lonely place, but we found or uh, someone else we found our audience we found uh the patreon discord which is constantly giving me good ideas twitter's continually uh offering me good feedback i do miss talking to jake on a regular basis in fact i imagine i if i haven't picked up one new listener in the last 100 episodes then i'm probably sure ought to quit so there's probably a few of you out of the seven that listen that don't remember jake being on the podcast and that's just wild to me when we're talking about this, again, because this is more uh, a conversational setting, and this is just some, I, I just want to chat a little bit about football broadly and deeply, and that's why this is a Crossroads episode. Um, why? Because some of the issues coming up lately are more interesting conversational pieces. They're not hard-hitting, they're not even new. Like, um, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, 
and uh, Travis Etienne have all gone down this year. Um, running back injuries be a problem. But it's interesting, we're suffering, frankly, um, a lot of running back injuries to sophomore and rookie running backs, which are usually the high hit rate category. And I think it's going under mention that while we do suffer running back injuries, like these are normally the players that we're most excited about, and we were this year. Um, and what does that mean for 2021? Instead, we're getting stuck on a conversation about running back handcuffs and running people off uh, of Twitter in one instance uh, because we're so ferociously in favor of the game theory that, and if you don't know it, like I can do a brief version of it, but that probably means you haven't listened to the Late Round podcast by J.J. Zacharyson, and I just got to know how you got here before going through like J- 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 J.J.'s podcast. Like what the... What the frick? Like, go listen to the Late Round podcast. Um, I wish all of you, you're in for a tw- in for a tweet? No, you're in for a treat. Um, and yeah, he says it's better. He said it longer. He He's w- one of the people that taught me that um, you don't handcuff your own running backs, you handcuff other people's running backs. Um, that's an unintuitive thought for someone, especially if you just lost J.K. Dobbins, because what do you do now? At least you'd have some level of replaceable production, <laughs> replacement production if you had Gus Edwards. Why wouldn't you draft your own handcuff? Um, the thing that got that, for me, in my head, why that unintuitive thought suddenly made sense was honestly the way J.J. explained it and then running, like I always do, running through the information he put out myself, because that helps me. Um, one way I've come to describe it once I got to the end of the, uh, the the research was simple game theory. And I don't do a lot of game theory here or elsewhere because it's hard and I'm not that smart. But I did understand eventually if you just list out the number of options, draft your running back, draft someone else's running back handcuff, and the number of ways it could happen, there are simply more positive outcomes if you draft someone else's running back. That made sense to me. Uh, once I finally uh, listed it out. If it doesn't for you, think of it this way. If you draft your own running back handcuff, the reason that you would do that for, not the positive outcome, but the reason you would do it for, is a negative outcome. You go from J.K. Dobbins to Gus Edwards, and Gus Edwards is not replacement J.K. Dobbins. It's just not. We're not. We don't have the same hopes or the same ceiling for Gus Edwards. So the reason you would do it is a negative outcome. Your team gets worse if it happens. On the other hand, in every other positive situation, if you draft your own handcuff, i.e. the running back doesn't get injured, someone else is running back injured, or no running backs get injured, they are positive for your team, or at least they're not a negative for your team, but there are also positive outcomes for anyone who drafts someone else's handcuff. Whereas in the event you draft someone else's handcuff, that can be a positive outcome for you. If you draft Gus Edwards and Ezekiel Elliott, then your team improves when J.K. Dobbins gets injured. So in that instance when um, uh, J.K. Dobbins gets injured and you draft your own, you draft Gus Edwards, you draft your own handcuff, that's a negative for your team, and it's a positive for the team that drafted someone else's handcuff. So again, that might not be what does it for you, um, I advise just listing out the possibilities and seeing which are positive and which are negative, and that's what did it for me. And also thinking about it in terms that JJ Zeger recently um, laid out for, which are there is just more upside in drafting someone else's handcuff. It in- increases the number of ways your teams can get better between now and week one, between now and week two, between now and week three, whenever. And therefore, it is an upside play, and we should always, in general, be searching for upside plays. Not the 99th 
uh, percentile upside play because that puts you on too razor sharp of an edge and you can fall off and you're either terrible or great. And when you're just playing against 11 and other people, you really don't need that 99th percentile play. But with a later pick from round, say, 8, but from round 10 um, to the end of your draft, drafting someone else's handcuff is a very small edge. Now, the reason I'm pointing that part out is because it is an upside play, but it's a really small one. Like, it's certain. It's not like it won't be true if it happens to you. No, there are just more ways in which drafting someone else's handcuff is going to be a positive for your team than drafting your own handcuff could possibly be a positive for your team. At best, it's a less of a negative in one category, and that's not enough to really save your team if one of your high running back picks goes down. You're, you're, you're looking rough, even if you've got their backup. You're already at a disadvantage. It is not positive. So it's a very small edge, though. And the reason I'm pointing that part out is because all of that is true. It is now true. It won't be not true later. Like, you can count the possibilities now, and there'll be the same number before, during, and after, and therefore, like, it is true that the best decision is to draft someone else's running back handcuff, but how much does it matter? Not not a lot. I mean, I would say there are very few things that we can say for sure are better decisions to make. Most of it comes down to an opinion at a certain point, a player evaluation you can be better or worse at, you can get right or wrong, you invent your own story to do the last 5 or the last 10% where, you know, you finally make your decision, which might be different than someone else's decision, but you get it right or wrong, and there's a lot of, there's a little leeway in there, where there's variance, there's no certainty to which is the best or worst draft pick, or the best or worst running back to draft, or the best or worst rookie wide receiver to roster. We've got things that help make the guesses, better or worse, but really at the end of the day, there's a significant percentage of it, which is just not variant so much as you are going to have to make a call, and you can get it right or wrong. There's very few things that are just black and white, this is better. Even if it goes wrong, because you don't draft your own handcuff and you have J.K. Dobbins, you still made the right choice. There's very few things with that level of certainty in that it is an edge. So I would say that. Like, don't throw away an edge for nothing, because there's very, very few of them that are definitely better. Most of them are kind of better if you do good at it, or if you listen to good advice, or if you just happen to be lucky and draft James Robinson, for example. So I wouldn't throw it away for nothing, but how big of an edge? Well, not really. I mean, think of most leagues that most people are playing in. Most backup running backs are going to be on the potential cut candidate list week one when waivers run. We're all going to be trying to add people every waiver cycle, especially for the first eight weeks, because we're going to get a lot wrong. We're not going to see a lot coming because it's the NFL. And so week one, they're going to be players you want to add to your roster. And those backup handcuff running backs that we're stashing, stocking the back of our bench with, they're going to be prime cut candidates unless you had an injured player that you drafted or unless you made the mistake of drafting an extra kicker or an extra defense or, in fact, a tight end at all. And then most of the players you draft in that later high, they're, they're going to be the cuts. So unless you get lucky between when you draft and when the season starts or unlucky, because since we're talking about players' injuries then uh, they're probably going to be cut anyway. So drafting someone else's running back is only so only so useful. And even if 
everything hits right and wrong for the appropriate teams. The edge in having someone else's running back is good, like your team is improved by having Gus Edwards now as part of your depth, but he's still not a starter because he's a usable weeks guy, not an upside ceiling weeks guy. Like he's not a J.K. Dobbins replacement. And what that led me to thinking about, I even made notes for this episode just in case, because uh, there's something that I make, want to make sure I get through. Um, I didn't write this note down. Uh, those usable weeks are more or less valuable to some teams. For example, if you drafted Ezekiel Elliott and you now have Gus Edwards, your team is slightly better. But it's a very marginal edge. But if you went more wide receiver, tight end, quarterback, if it's super flex early, having Gus Edwards now is a bigger boon, right? And this got me to thinking about, you know, that running back handcuff debate took off like crazy, and it's not that important, and it's pretty well known. We can disagree on it if you like, but, I mean, the way to prove it is pretty well established by J.J. Zacharyson. I mean, you can game theory out. It can be fun. Uh, Not that everyone had fun in that conversation, but it can be a fun conversation, but it's not a huge edge, um, and it's not new. Something that occurred to me while reading through it, occasionally chipping in, was... ADP is very strategy or team dependent, right? Like if you have Gus Edwards, like I just said, and you're wide receiver heavy early, that's a big change in your ability to replicate a base level number of running back points while you try to dominate a wide receiver until you get a better running back hit, hopefully somewhere later. At the same time, if you're more wide receiver heavy early in a particular league, in a particular draft, not in general, but in that draft, that's you had a later first round pick, that's the way you went, then those weren't the running backs you were searching for necessarily because you are seeking big upside. That's the dead zone running back. That's why I've been saying for years, don't draft running top 24 running backs. Stop increasing top 24 running back ADP if that's their ceiling. Now, I think there are a few running backs that fall into that range every year, like uh, this year it's Miles Gaskin. Kareem Hunt, James Robinson, pretty easy, that have more upside than that top 24 dead zone running back um, phrase kind of encapsulates, and so I've been willing to draft him. But was I looking for Gus Edwards in that range if I was wide receiver heavy? No, I don't I don't want usable weeks. I'm seeking those top 12 upside weeks. At the same time, I am more likely to be drafting backup running backs earlier than someone who drafted J.K. Dobbins earlier. Because I do need usable weeks while I seek my top 12 upside at running back, right? And so Gus Edwards was actually being drafted outside that range in like round 12. I think he's up to round 9 in redraft. Still fairly similar range. Um, And that, that team that was more wide receiver heavy is more likely to have been placing value on those upside weeks. But still, in either instance, if you are a heavy running back early, a heavy wide receiver early, or tight end or whatever else then those usable weeks have a different level of value to you. In, in some instance, the only other team that, that Gus Edwards production, that juicy, juicy, maybe top 24 upside production, would have is for the J.K. Dobbins team and a pure zero RB team. Like That's the only team that can see a big change in their sustainable or expectable weekly output to start the season. Because they started out with virtually zero running back, hopefully, production. And now they've at least got a few usable weeks. Like eight weeks where he's going to be a top 24 running back at least. And that zero to eight is good. And potentially zero with a loss of J.K. Dobbins to eight to Gus Edwards is also good. It's just that game theory kind of 
works you out of it unless you just did it anyway, which is also fine. You've got to hit on your other picks anyway. Hopefully you drafted Trey Sermon somewhere or Michael Carter somewhere. I mean, the ultimate answer to this is the problem with running back injuries. The answer is a more zero RB heavy draft. That's the counter to running back injuries. And I get that a lot of people don't like zero running back, but I think it's because they're mad at the reasoning that explains the outcome. And it doesn't matter how hard, how angry you get at the apple for falling to the ground, gravity still exists, right? So it doesn't matter how angry you are at the phrase zero RB or more zero RB or modified zero RB or hero RB or whatever you want to goddamn call it. It's still true that running backs get injured at a higher rate, that wide receivers drafted early have a higher best ball win rate, teams that draft wide receivers heavily in the first few rounds, and zero RB and theories of that ilk are just trying to explain why. So it doesn't matter how angry you get at the apple, gravity still exists. And I think that's part of why, like, handcuff RB and running back backfield, these bad strategies are not borne out by the data, or the history, or the number of times. It doesn't win you more leagues more often if we play it out ten different ways in the past. But it's fine. We're talking about marginal edges with that handcuff. Like, it doesn't lose you the league either, most cases. Um, but I think Marge the born of being raging at the reasoning so hard without understanding you can completely dismantle the reasoning even though no one has and the results are still the same. Running backs get hurt at a higher rate, wide receivers drafted early win more in best balls. I mean, those are the facts we're trying to explain with this reasoning. Those facts are still the facts. Does that mean that you're in a best ball and you should always draft zero running back? No. I mean, that's also what the reasoning suggests. That um, this only works sometimes. It only works in the right situation. It's draft dependent. Everything we've ever talked about it by uh, on this episode and JJ's on everyone's podcast. I mean, it can work. It's a viable strategy. It is not the only one. You have to be adaptable to the year to the situation, Jacob, uh, Jacob Rick Road special. I mean, every year is different. Adapt to what the year looks like, which brings me back to ADP being team dependent. What's going on this year is young sophomore and rookie running backs are going down heavily. They're where most of the running back injuries are occurring. Um, wide receivers has mostly escaped it. Rashad Bateman uh, had a scare, but it looks like he'll be back in six to eight weeks. I still think he can achieve a good rookie season, but we're not hoping for too much, especially on Baltimore. Um, but largely, wide receivers, unlike last year when Devontae Adams and Julio Jones went down and others, um, it was kind of a one-to-one last year. Running backs and wide receivers got hurt at a similar rate, unusually. Um, but again, it was great. You can't replace those wide receivers with later drafted picks the same way you can get usable at least weeks from later running backs when running backs get hurt that's also kind of part of the myth of wide receivers being replaceable or deeper it's like not not really not in the same way you don't lose jk Dobbins and get gus edwards kind of replaceable you don't lose Julio Jones and get Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley was playing at a top 12 level and scoring at a top 12 level with Julio Jones on the field. 
Like, that was my whole argument for him this year as wide receiver one. It's not like Julio Jones went down and Calvin Ridley ascended in the same way Gus Edwards will now get more work and now be potentially much more likely to be in the top 24. Wide receiver just doesn't work that way. A wide receiver goes down and there's just suddenly no good wide receivers very often, you know? OBJ leaves and suddenly the best you've got is Sterling Shepard and he's fine, but he's definitely not even good at Gus Edwards level replacement and he was also there the year before doing about the same thing he didn't increase in fact the only one who increased was Evan Ingram that year uh, got more targets yay I, I still like Evan Ingram everyone else hates him so I doubt that was kind of the replacement production everyone was hoping for it just works slightly differently a lot of those extra usable weeks that happen at wide receiver are coming with more of a high variance and less predictable weeks like that 101 touchdown game from wide receiver who the fuck that no one sees coming. That's where all those extra top 24 weeks are coming from a lot of time. And that's just not capturable. You can't stream wide receiver the same way you can replace or predict who might have a usable week at running back. It's just not a thing. It's like every, the, the, the Deshaun Jackson weeks, but they're not all coalesced into one Deshaun Jackson. They're spread out throughout the NFL. Good luck guessing that player's name because you'll probably never heard it before. Like, that's not the same thing as backup running backs or handcuff running backs or running backs further down the depth chart having increased pass to opportunity through injury. It's just not. So 0RB, that's why that's the counterplay to running back injuries handcuffing running backs even though it's fine it's not league destroying if you handcuff your own running back if you just feel better that way especially when you're only against 11 other players it's fine don't get it twisted it's not league winning to not do it most of the time could be james robinson but rarely um and the, actually plenty of people drafted four nets so forget even that anyway um where was i uh i forget it's not league winning. Zero B is counter. Handcuffing your own running back actually doubles or, in fact, increases the problem of running back injuries because of the ne- negative out- out- output or outcome um, because of the action you chose. Like, it's a negative outcome if you draft your own handcuff and you have to use it. So it actually worsens the problem of running back injuries rather than takes advantage of them like zero rb rb does or tries to and like um drafting someone else's handcuff attempts to drafting your own handcuff in fact leans into the idea the opposite way it worsens the problem if running back injuries occur and they're probably going to so um, that brings me, I guess, to the Baltimore backfield, I guess, since I've talked about handcuffing for this long. Uh, yeah, I don't think Gus Edwards is a J.K. Dobbins replacement. I think he's going to get um, the majority of the work in that backfield. I'm less excited about Justice Hill because we've seen years and years and years of them continually just finding other options rather than use Justice Hill. I do think he has more of the receiving upside and, and is therefore now somewhat of one of those worthy later running back dashes but i'd be more inclined to listen to what the news is i imagine they're going to add someone a veteran someone else i still think gus edwards will take the lead there i think it actually the main effect is going to be lamar jackson he's going to rush a little bit more he's going to pass a little bit more huh huh which is what i really want to happen in general in 2021 for the ravens so that's worth keeping an eye on too who they add is going to 
probably affect the story we tell there. Um, also, can, uh, speaking of ba- teams to break down, I've just had to do two projections updates. One of them was, well, uh, for several reasons, but the ba- uh, Baltimore backfield, and the other one was Cam, a- Cam Newton being dropped by the New England Patriots. So I've updated those projections. Um, Mac Jones is now like a top 20 quarterback, maybe potentially. Um, everyone's talking about vacated carries on Twitter, so i got to get back to that conversation and tell them why they're all wrong. In general, I think Damian Harris gets the lead role uh, in terms of overall rushing percentage or opportunities, sure. I think Ramondre Stevenson has a much more tempting role, like going to have more touchdown efficiency and has come at a cheaper price this entire offseason. People are catching up because of preseason games, but he ended up on a lot of my dynasty rosters, hoping my ranks or my breakdown of his profile helped you get him on a few rosters as well. Um... I've actually increased passing for the team more generally because the opportunities just slide towards passing uh, as a balance more without Cam Newton as your quarterback, which has increased the outcome for Jacoby Myers, who I think is wide receiver one there. Um, and so, yeah, check those out, I guess, if you want. I, I updated them, reposted the link on Patreon. Um, you can also see on my Twitter timeline. I think I posted it there. But those broadly, I think, the effects of the recent players being dropped and injuries occurring um i did want to mention like unlike cam Akers, i think jk dobbins the news is he's got a acl injury which means we can be more confident that he's going to be back um his adp suggests no one's going to be forcing you to pay a premium because he was already drafted below cam Akers and everyone else and he has a less perhaps presumably maybe don't know not a doctor injury i think J.K. Dobbins makes an interesting case to buy if a team sucks or if you're thinking more about the future already. Um, my value line kind of revolves in and around the first. I sell Gus Edwards for a first. I keep him for a second. I will also pay less than a first for Gus Edwards if I need those usable weeks. Same with Daryl Henderson. Same with Miles um, Gaskin and those top 24 running backs. I really do think ADP is team dependent. Miles like, Gaskin is just a different proposition depending on what kind of team you have you know it has more or less value to you but anyway i don't want to go back into that too much um so yeah sell those running backs for a first trade them or draft them for less than that value in both dynasty and redraft that's kind of the play uh put that out on patreon in more four words as well just written out so everyone knows what i'm talking about um in terms of new england i think this is why we try and catch things early it's almost just too late to try and get stevenson or harris like i wasn't in on harris although i kind of like the depth of stevenson with almost no value in a rookie draft a fourth round third round rookie pick um and that i don't want to pay for running backs with more um i don't want to trade for running backs with more past two opportunities open up i want them to already be in my depth chart and then be looking to trade them away um, rather than keep them if I can get that first-line value or above. Um, if you haven't, if they're not on your roster, there are still some options. Like I'm noticing Kalen Hill making some noise in the Green, back, Green Bay running back backfield. He's someone that we had fairly higher ranked. Actually, I have him above Trey Sermon with my pre-draft ranks. Um, I, I still think he's not that expensive. For one of those younger players, 
higher than um, higher breakout potentials than he's currently being valued at. I think Kalen Hill is interesting. Jamar Jefferson in the Detroit backfield. Again, we're not talking... They could easily be cut candidates week one or by this time next year in Dynasty um, or whatever else. But again, we're trying to capture the ones with decent production profiles in interesting situations before this new kind of news breaks. Um, and those are two that stick out to me still right now. And so if they're not on your roster or you just lost J.K. Dobbins, that would be one of my the first things I'm looking at or Cam Akers or anyone else. It's who is currently on the waiver wire, or might be more likely to be on the waiver wire, who could be one of these players who gets a larger path to opportunities than currently most people are expecting. So that would be my plan forward, outside of just hoping my other picks hurt, because J.K. Dobbins wasn't going to win or lose your league, even if he hit the top 12, which I didn't think he would, but that's not the time or place for that conversation. Um, you still had to hit on your other picks. So you were hoping your the running backs you took also did well. And the wide receivers. And they're going to be the core of your um, your team this year. J.K. Dobbins is a loss. Um, and you would move on to trying to draft some of those even deeper ones. Even deeper players that may have hit the waiver wire. Or may still be undervalued on the back of benches elsewhere. Instead of going and paying up for players who've already seen their value shift afterwards because of unexpected and unpredictable news like an injury like J.K. Dobbins. That's, in general, where I'm moving on from from here. All right, um, yeah, again, one-sided conversation uh, is not nearly as fun as it was when Jake was here, but hopefully, and I am enjoying the back and forth after they drop, uh, and that's how I'm getting my conversation fixed. So let me know what you think. Post on a comment, I guess, on the YouTube video. I'll talk to you in the Patreon Discord if you're in there. Uh, hopefully this turns out to be an extra episode. I think that'd be pretty cool since someone j literally just mentioned maybe having one. And uh, let me know what you think, for sure, definitely. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, 176 episodes in. I know it's not a whole number, so it doesn't seem like something worth celebrating, but it's a big number. Uh, for me, uh, I didn't estimate how many we'd get through, but uh, I would have imagined 176 being a pretty successful mark, and I'm pretty happy to be here, even if, you know, got, got a little lonelier while recording it, but uh, the back and forth with everyone else about the about the crossroads or on the crossroads afterwards, I guess, uh, continues to be fun, and I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, I'll talk to you again later this week it turns out see you on the live stream later and uh what, whoever's podcast i'm meant to be on today really appreciate it bye yeah chicken a crow chicken a crow crossing the road go clicking a poll twitter is gold player unfold so jake on the table and they're gonna play though pete enumerates the plays they're analytical Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold. So, 
Jake on the table and they on the place though. Pete and Numo, it's a place they're analytical.